I am the X-Men Alpha and the X-Men Omega. You're listening to The Run. This is the dawning of the Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse. On the Run. Hi, hello. How you doing? This is the Run, a comic book podcast about runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. With me today is Jonathan Kovacs, a very sleepy Jonathan Kovacs. Yeah, morning. How you doing? <sighs> With me also is Christopher Boyce. Oh, right. Chris couldn't make it. He's on the West Coast, of course, so it's a little bit earlier over there. So it's probably like 3 in the morning or something like that. So if Chris doesn't come in... So halfway through this record, this recording, we'll uh, put them in and post like we did in previous episodes. So we're looking at Age of Apocalypse. That's the run going on right now. If you haven't read it from the title, last episode we covered Legion Quest, where Professor Xavier's son went back in time somehow and attempted to assassinate Magneto so his dream could prosper, where humans and mutants can live together and they could have a normal family, but he accidentally shoots Xavier instead, causing a time rift and the so-called Age of Apocalypse, where there was nothing to stop the character Apocalypse from taking over the world, and Magneto ends up... Forming the X-Men? Yeah, forming the X-Men. Which I think it's interesting that he would name them the X-Men because I don't think Xavier had the idea for the name just yet. And it's like a, it's an interesting coincidence that I know that they wrote it, but it's just the fact that right. Magneto managed to pick the same name for the team that Xavier would have used. Maybe the X gene was already coined. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I you know they did it because it's no the X Men books, yeah. but it's just it's I like that through the Twilight Zone coincidence method. Right, right it right. just ends up being the same team name. With this, everything is changed and everything is essentially a wasteland here. When it started, the, the books, the idea for the Age of Apocalypse, I was doing a little bit of reading on this. Do you know how it got started? No. Essentially, there's, there's two conflicting stories here because there's one that's actually published in X-Men Chronicles, which is a companion book to the Age of Apocalypse. There's one story saying that the X-Men animated series... There's an episode uh, where Bishop goes back in time because Xavier died or something to that effect, and everything changed. It wasn't as dreary and grim, yeah, but it was an alternate reality where Xavier died, and that aired in 1994. Okay, and this comes out in Age of Apocalypse comes out in 95, so there may be some. I think it was set up earlier than that. Um, I don't know. We'd have to do some more research, I guess. Well, Bob Harris, the editor in chief at time at the time, was at a retreat and they said after the Phalax Covenant, which was the year before the, yeah. the X-Men event before they were wondering how they could up the ante. And he says that says, what would the world be like without professor X mulling the idea over and over? He realized that what this ambitious thought meant and it meant that his story idea that could potentially have lasting repercussions in the X universe for four months. They talked about doing the deed and whatnot and figuring that Legion was probably the best thing to assassinate Professor X. And from there, they wanted to create the new reality and they just shoved the Umkron crystal in there as a way of rewriting everything since it's the nexus of all time. But 
the one thing I really liked about this series starting off is how I don't think this was the norm at the time. I, I can't think of any other series besides Spider-Man, but I think Spider-Man did it like a year later where they changed all the titles. Long running title, 300 issues in on Kenny X-Men, it just becomes something completely different. And it starts off at number one. And at the time, I thought books like that would just keep going forever. I got hoodwinked with uh, the Scarlet Spider because they did that with Spider-Man where everything ended and it started off amazing, spectacular, adjectiveless Spider-Man and uh, Web of Spider-Man. They all became Web of whatever, Scarlet Spider. I was like, oh, this is good. This is it going forward. And then two months later, it's back to the original numbering and stuff like that. But that's one of the few gimmicks I enjoy. I don't really care for reboots too much, but in the case of that, I don't know. I think that it was a very ambitious uh, event. You can't do this anymore right now because with the internet and everybody knows everything too early. So I've recently stopped really looking at a lot of online websites just so I can stay not fresh to ideas, but I mean, I still read previews. I was going to say, you have have previews. Yeah, I I have that. But like, again, with all the art you see, like it doesn't really still tell me as much. Um, Yeah. But, you know, you, you can't, the amount of impact, and I'd be interested if we wanted to try and find somebody that was selling comics at the time, but I feel like Marvel made them take a really big risk with this. They just told them, yeah, we're canceling all the X-Men books. And uh, we're starting with these ones, and this is the way it is, especially because that, that was at the height of Marvel's, or at the height of the X-Men's popularity. Yeah. And I believe it was Jeff and I were talking about this. that Your dealer. Yeah. Coke dealer. You know, a lot of these comic dealers were skeptical of it, but, I mean, it it worked. Yeah. And it was, you know, every a lot of books have, or a lot of writers and different Publishers have tried or have done the same thing, like with Flashpoint and all that other stuff that, you know, Marvel did at first with the X-Men books with this. I can't wait till someone emails us in and just says, oh, actually, well, probably. Batman did it. Yeah. But the fact that when we were kids and this came out, we had no idea what was going on. I remember because I was reading, I started reading Wolverine around 90, issue 95, and they started in maybe 97 or 98 showing a shot of Firestorm in the back where he's got like just like the fire he's just on fire mm-hmm. and he's like a, got the skull face and you're like guess who this character is and you're like i have no idea who is that you had no idea who it was fire, who's firestorm or sunfire i'm sorry oh okay not firestorm i don't know why i said firestorm sorry much, it was they were, much battlefield five. yeah they were showing sunfire age of apocalypse style two or three months before it started and they're right. like guess who this character is and we had no idea yeah it's also it's interesting too because Back then, I guess they still bring it back from time to time, but they show like the next issue solicits in the back of books, next issue in X-Men 5 and X-Factor 72 and stuff. They had like a whole strip down the side of the book at the back of the letter page where every single one was just last issue, last issue, and there was nothing else there. Excuse me. Chris is up. Okay. Well, that was a little break there. Chris woke up and is with us. Chris, how you doing? Um. Fine. Just woke up, <laughs> as you said. Right. So, Jonathan. Uh, I was saying, I have one of Marvel's collections of like the Uncanny books, and it's uh, had all the issues from the Muir Island saga, like we were talking before, about when Legion got controlled by uh, Shadow King and then went into the coma and then all this started. And in the one issue, it's Uncanny X-Men 254. 
Legion kills Destiny in 255. Mm-hmm. But in 254, I, I recommend you guys looking at it just to see. Vision or Destiny has a vision of the crystal in everything turned to crystal. Okay, so this was planned for a while? Well, I, I'm just curious to know if Claremont or somebody had something planned that something was going to happen, and they just didn't... They, again, they, they planted seeds and stuff, and I feel like they do that a lot in X-Men books, more than a lot of... I think a lot of books do that, but for some reason, I just... And maybe it's just me, because like, X-Men titles always had a special place to me, that they just did a better job of foreshadowing a lot of these things. Right. But you figure that if everything came out on time and there was no double issues or whatever, two issues a month. That was a whole five years before X-Men 321, which was the last issue before when everything did turn to crystal uh-huh. and shatter. I thought it was interesting. I was just curious. Like, I wanted to send Claremont. I haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm thinking about trying to get a hold. Good luck. A question. Um, more than likely, what it was was, yeah, like you said, the X-Men books were nefarious for making third plot lines and fourth plot lines and all the way up to 10 different running plot lines at once. And more than likely, once Claremont left the book back in 91, they just saw that old thread and said, well, why don't we run with this, maybe? I don't know. It's it's not really mentioned anywhere, but it very well possibly could be something like that. I still don't think they needed to use the Emperor Crystal as the device. They could have did. Yeah. Because it's stupid, I think. So the other thing before we get into this overall, this, these three books is the world building that they had here. In X-Men Chronicles, I'm sorry, that's unprofessional of me. I should also mention the books we're looking at, actually, (laughs) after that long preamble we had. We are looking at X-Men Alpha. It's written by Scott Lobdell, Mark Wade. The art is by Roger Cruz, Tim Townsend, Steve Epting, and Dan Panosian. And then we're looking at X-Men Chronicles 1 and 2, which is written by Howard Mackey, art by Terry Dodson, Claus Jansen for issue one, and then issue two is Ian Churchill, Scott Hanna, and Alve. Going back to that, at the end of X-Men Chronicles, which is like companion pieces to the overall story, they have an entire printout of the world at large. So it's kind of cool to see stuff like the Wall of Apocalypse is up in northern Canada and he's sealing everything out from up there. And then you have... Well, that was that. that's, I believe the way the world looks at the beginning of X-Men Alpha. Yes, this is this is all, chronologically speaking, it goes X-Men Chronicles 1, Alpha, X-Men Chronicles 2. So you have the United States here, which is divided up into five different spots, and he Apocalypse has each of his horsemen or lackeys. This map reminds me much of something like Old Man Logan, one of Chris's favorite stories. Yeah, it almost feels like it's like a precursor to that story, like... Uh, I mean, I guess you could say Days of Futures Past was kind of like the first weird, like, alternate future story. But yeah. this one actually, like, it really, it this Age of Apocalypse, it really set up a good world build. Yeah, I mean, it gives you an entire map in this one book to see where everything's at. Like I mentioned with the United States, uh, apparently a couple nukes were dropped. They show, like, radiation zones. Apparently one was dropped in Saudi Arabia and one was in, looks like, Brazil. And then you have where the humans have settled there in northwestern Africa and all of Europe, more or less. And then they have the Sentinel processing plant on Muir Island. I enjoy when books go out of their way to explain the world, kind of like a, uh, I guess, a Game of Thrones type of way. Like in those books, how he would go out of his way to, yeah. uh, or Lord of the Rings, something like that, where they actually have a map. Even Teddy Ruxpin did it, if you remember that. Yeah. No, you're right, because it does a very, it adds to the storytelling. You have an idea of how everything's 
set up and laid out and how bad it actually is. And in this case, how bad everything is. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you look at the entire U.S. and you have the entire eastern seaboard under direct control. It's just in red text under direct control of apocalypse. And it's just like, well, fucking hell. Speaking of hell and Chris, you're probably familiar with this area. In X-Men Alpha, it starts off in Seattle with a masked man climbing a bunch of dead bodies and just trying to get through. And is this much different from nowadays in Seattle, Chris? Well, I mean, there is a humongous homeless population. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was that's what say. I'm saying. Like, you look at this and it's really <laughs> dystopian, but then you think about, yeah, I mean, you're up close to Seattle and it's it's unfortunately a really bad problem up there. Yeah, It, it is a very bad problem up here, but at least there's not mountains of corpses in the street so that's <laughs> yeah, nice yeah but we get this guy just going through these corpses just trying to get through when he stumbles upon a little girl getting chased by unis the untouchable who has been rebranded as 90s power armor guy yeah so unis was a previous character before because i've never seen him yeah he was he has like a mi- minor force field around him he showed up I'm trying to remember more prominent stories he showed up in. He was in Dark Avengers. He was one of the few characters they fought in Dark Avengers in their own storyline. I think it was like mid. Yeah, I mean, run. You'll see that a lot of characters that were pushover villains or side characters before Apocalypse recruited them and either beefed them up or turned them into seemingly worthwhile characters. Almost. Yeah, yeah. It's... He gave them more. Repur- he repurposed. They they repurposed. These B list characters or C list characters, and actually gave them. Yeah, they had a second chance do. at something. Yes, yes. Where these characters are super lame, they they come around. All right, well, let's throw everything like let's throw the kitchen sink at him. Let's let's change him up. He still has his powers, but we'll make him one of Apocalypse's. Well, that's one of the things captains. I was making a comment about is that I really like they really went out of their way to I think redesign all the characters and they redesigned them all well except for one character, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but. Well, we can get to it now. I mean, uh, Apocalypse is the only one. I, I hate his redesign. Um, Apocalypse is kind of. Um, the artwork is very 90s, so he's super top-heavy. And I understand that like Apocalypse is like he's sort of a shape-shifting kind of guy, and he's usually always kind of big-looking. But, like, who man, the 90s were in full effect on this one. <laughs> yeah, I thought Joe Midoriya did the art for this. He just did the cover. So Yeah, for a long time I got confused by that because, to me, Roger Cruz almost in my mind copies his art but it's not nearly as good i'd say influenced yeah heavily influenced doria is is fantastic i don't mind roger cruz art here chris so this guy is unis the untouchable that's interesting because i've uh also been reading or i've I've started to read all new x-men the the bendis run where the original five come into the future right and there's actually a joke that young Iceman says where he's like you know, Unis the Untouchable, I totally touched him. Oh, wait, that sounded wrong. And I was just like, I don't know who that character is, but, and now I do. Oh, yeah. So how about that? Yeah, he was just a wimp with a force field. He also he also showed up right after, um, how, or before House of M, when the Excalibur book relaunched, when it was just Xavier and Magneto working together for mm-hmm. like a year. Unis the Untouchable was a lackey or something to that effect that showed up in that book. And, oh, okay. Man, that book was really bad because it was not Excalibur. <laughs> Uh, the one with yeah. Callisto and her yeah, Callisto octopus and a, arms. Yeah, the gross anime tentacle arms and whatever. But yeah, he's a C-list X-Men character. But yeah, Unis, Unis is running a death squad. And we learned about all these cullings, which is why there's just bodies top. It's pretty crazy to see in a mid-90s book with the comic code in effect where you're literally seeing corpses 
just piled on top of each other in all these panels while they're fighting. Unis is fighting uh, this masked man, which we find out is Bishop. And the X-Men show up to help stop him. And they actually straight up kill him. Yeah, I like how... Magneto, they kill Unis. Yeah. Like kill all, I think they basically kill all of his lackeys, too. Yeah. And I like that, unfortunately, the X-Men have lo- learned that they need to take it to the extreme. They can't just... They have to put down all of Apocalypse's forces. That's what they have to do. Yeah. In order to save the day, they have to fight fire with fire and yeah that's that that yeah that's what what it comes down to because you learn over time that they're kind of goody goodies in the first x-men chronicles book as well one thing that's really weird here i don't know if it'll be explained to us later i don't know if you guys were confused as i was bishop who like i said was the mass character he straight up recognizes magneto and calls him a murderer and remembers everything but here's the thing at the end of legion quest everyone everything didn't happen because they said the paradox happens, so Xavier never happens, so the X-Men never happens. So how did Bishop happen? Well, at the end of that, it says that Bishop got left behind because he was never... He came from the future to save Xavier from dying in the current current timeline, which was, you know, the 90s timeline. Right. And then he got sent back in time to Legion's quest, during the Legion quest thing. And then when Xavier died... The other X Men were never formed. He never formed the X Men, so Iceman, Psylocke, and Storm all got sent back. But because he was never, he became an X Man to save Xavier. It's it's just a big time paradox thing. Are you saying I shouldn't think about it too hard? Well, no, yeah, because he still remembers Xavier, but it's just that he's a man out of time, and he still has all his memories from when he was in the present in the '90s timeline. So he's calling Magneto a murderer because. He let Xavier die. What is this? Is what supposed to be twenty or thirty years in the pet from the Legion quest? Ten, ten years. Well, ten from one apocalypse. We'll we'll say ten. Yeah, because I don't know the, the X Men are still in their mid twenties or something to that effect. So. Yeah, that's the only. It's like either between ten or twenty years that's passed between the murder of Xavier and. The present at the end of Legion Quest, it, it shows Bishop's stuck. He's left right. behind. He just, rem- you know, yeah, he kept all his memories, and it's it's a time paradox, something or other. Okay, so I'm just gonna smile and nod with that. I kind of understand that, but time travel is always this weird thing where I I don't know. I should take the Looper approach the, from the movie Looper, where they straight up say, "Don't think about it too hard." Yeah, because it hurts your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From there on out, we Bishop is yelling at Magneto because he remembers everything. And then we get an overview of all the other X characters in so many pages. Uh, did you guys have a standout moment for this book in terms of like, who, who, who did you like? Whose alternate reality did you like the most? Cause they, they, every few pages goes to a different group of X-Men to show you, Oh, here's what Cyclops looks like. Here's what beast looks like. Where's cable. Oh, this isn't cable, but well, we actually don't get cable yet. I don't think. Well, I'm just saying in general. Uh, my favorite was uh, Scott, Alex, and Beast, and then Wolverine and Gene. Yeah, I was going to say Beast oh, as well say. for me. Uh, I mean, did you want to... Ex- well, no, I just like that, that basically Scott and Alex are now evil, uh, yeah. Mr. and so is uh, Beast, and Mr. Sinister has been controlling them forever. And yeah. then the fact that uh, Wolverine, he's got his only his right hand, and he's got like a left a stump on his left hand, hand yes. blah, ham. And him, he and Gene are basically running around, and they're actually working. I didn't realize this because when I read this when I was a kid, I wasn't really reading it. I wasn't paying attention. But 
they're actually working for Mr. Sinister, and Sinister is actually working against Apocalypse uh, right. to, to prevent him from his endgame, which is to literally kill everything, apparently. Yeah, which is survival to the fittest to the extreme. Uh, yeah, he's he's completely not satisfied with the fact that he's taken over the U.S. He's ready to take it to the extreme and be the last lone survivor on Earth, apparently. Cyclops is also interesting because he's got the weird Liefeld scuba mouthpiece. <laughs> and they do a good job of covering his uh, one left eye with his hair. The one that Wolverine slashed. Yeah, I don't think they mentioned it in this book. No. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of... Uh, cool to see later that oh he's missing an eye so he's literally a cyclops chris you were mentioning beast did you say beast yeah i really liked uh dark beast i've i've read later x-men issues where dark beast is like there i can't remember what the books were but it was just like uh he was an excalibur dark too. is it excalibur i thought it might have been like the well, x-force well, he's, he was Wolverine an x-23 i think that might have been it yeah and i never really knew where the character came from, it was just like, oh, this weird alternate version of Beast, who's this weird sadistic scientist. But seeing, like, I eventually found out that he's from the AOA, and now actually reading it, I'm like, okay, I can get down with this character. Yeah, he's just he, he's also happy and carefree, glib, but he's super evil. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I like that version of Beast a lot. Yeah, so he's not just you know snarling and maniacal. He's also still has a sense of humor to him, so that makes it the same but completely different in a way. I also like Dark Beast probably the most as well, and I kind of like Angel because he's just a coward taking advantage of the whole situation like a capitalist would. Yeah, yeah. He has a I don't know what you call it a haven or a sanctuary. That's what it's called. Yeah. He, well, he just runs a nightclub. Yeah. But that's, yes, that's kind a, of neutral in a way. Yeah, and then he has some humans running around, even though they're technically illegal, almost. Yeah, well, like I said, it's a it's a sanctuary for everyone. Everyone that wants to watch dancing, and they don't really say debauchery too much, but I, I guess you could extrapolate from that. There's probably gambling going on and prostitution or something to that effect. For I, some reason, the Scarlet Witch is alive, I think. No, that's not her. Because all right, because I think it's dance. actually supposed to be Mary Mary Jane Watson myself personally, really? but I I don't know. They just mentioned her name is Scarlet, and that's all you get. Yeah, yeah. He intro- Angel introduces to a bunch of people that he has a dancer that's going to come out, and her name's Scarlet, and she's got red hair, and you think it's the Scarlet Witch because she's a mutant, but we find out in the next issue that she's di- dead. So I don't know. We also get some ba- uh, Gambit's also running around being lame, still caring about Rogue and being Gambit. I mean, the only thing that's really changed is he doesn't have a stupid headpiece anymore. Yeah, I like when he shows up, the way the artist draws him, like standing there yelling at Magneto because Magneto summoned him. He's like, you wanted me here. And he looks like he's constipated the way he's like standing in a weird angle. And I don't know. He just looks really constipated to me. And and the great line. That's where he stores his staff whenever it's retracted or something. And the great line from Angel is, He's talking to Gambit in the shadows, and he says, And what makes you think I can help you? And Gambit's response is, Because Angel spelled sideways is Angle. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows how to get to Magneto, it's you. I'm just like, what? Come on, guys. Mark Wade That was- Angle line was like the worst thing yeah. I've read in the entire book. I was like, this, is, this makes me hate Gambit even more. Yeah, he's he's really bad. And the fact that it came from Magneto is something else. Uh, trying to think of any other world building that they, they put. Oh, yeah. Magneto and Rogue have a child. And she can't. Of course, she goes back to the whole. This was a. Oh God, this feels like it's, they've done this for 
30,000 years with Rogue where she's depressed because she can't touch anyone. So now she can't touch her baby. I'm Rogue and I'll sap your powers away, even though Magneto was able to help her with that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we learn later on here that how this all happened, I think. Well, we'll find out. I mean, it, it's not for you to remember everything right now. The whole no, time. Uh, well, I'm, I'm saying when I think because I guess there's a couple other ways that she could have had the kid that I'm not going into right now. Right. That turkey baster, though. That's that's what I was getting <laughs> oh, at. God. Yeah. I don't know if it's the one way that Magneto figures out or if it's a turkey baster type idea. No, because he in the, in the Chronicle books, he, he can touch her. Because of his mag- magneto powers, yeah. Well, she has them too, though. Yeah, I, I. It's I don't know. It's it's weird. It's why don't you just harness that all the time? But maybe we'll we'll find out why. Oh yeah, Bishop also shows up and he's yelling at Magneto some more at their base, telling asking. Well, because after they they saved him in Seattle, they knocked him out yeah. and then they take him back. Well, Bishop is asking Magneto now what's hap- what happened to Xavier. Tell him what happened and then. Magneto's being kind of shady, coy. Yeah, yeah, coy and shady about, shady about it. So it makes me think that uh, Magneto's going to be kind of an asshole throughout this entire series, isn't he? He's not just going to be a good guy because I don't remember him having insider knowledge of what happened. And because the well, way he's drawn, the way Magneto is drawn, he's kind of frowning and he's got the black circles and shit under his eyes, so to show and to like kind of convey that. He's angry and he knows what's going on, but he doesn't want anyone else to know what's going on. Yeah. Now that we're talking about it, I never thought of it, but I feel like Bishop's really a big dick in this because he's attacking Magneto, saying, you knew what was wrong. You knew all this stuff wasn't supposed to happen. And it's like, no, he did not. He was just there the whole time and he saw his friend die in front of him and really didn't know what else was supposed. He didn't realize that that's not the right. That wasn't supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless he lied about what happened to Xavier. I think he admits to everybody that he died in front of him. Yeah. He, everybody knows that he died, and that's why he's doing this. He he goes off on, like, 57 solilo- solilo- uh, soliloquies and stands off, you know, and does the whole... He actually literally does the whole Hamlet thing, I think, at one point, and complains about Xavier dying, and this is... I'm carrying on your dream, and blah, 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 blah. But it's just, you know, everybody is questioning Magneto, and I feel bad for him, actually, because he's like, I don't know what this guys yelling at me for i didn't do anything i mean i let my friend die unfortunately i didn't let him die but he sacrificed himself for me anyway i'm sorry it's okay i I don't know how chris i'll ask you in a sec here but he never says no he never says no i'm not going to tell you or yes he just kind of changes the subject and just knocks him around chris did you feel that magneto had an ulterior motive or something to that effect at this point or just was am i thinking too hard about this uh i mean it's only natural to think that he may have had an ulterior motive because he's been a villain for so long. But no, I thought this is going from the Legion timeline where Xavier gets killed. That's the Magneto right there that we meet where he never really was Magneto at this point. Yeah. And so why would he have some kind of an ulterior motive? Right. I don't know. That's 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 the thing. It's just like I said, the the black circles and the frowning and the, the changing of the subject. Usually when a character does that, they obviously know something that they don't want to be exposed. Well, yeah. that being said, if that's the case, because he does met, he does recognize Bishop. We never got any more, like there's been other stuff where they show you things in the past besides the X-Men Chronicle books, but they're, it's not like we got the whole time gap of stories being right. told to us. So we don't know if 
he ever saw him again or if he just you know yeah bishop's going to recognize him immediately because he fought him before back in the 90s and all this other stuff but for magneto the last time he might have seen him was when he was picking up and burying xavier in uh tel aviv yeah you know so i don't know i like I said, I just thought I just realized this now when we were discussing that Bishop's really a big dick about it. Yeah, well, and he's he, just he's just pissed off because he's stuck in this horrible. Yeah, I would be it, too. I mean, he's been stuck for ten how many years in this horrible world, and he knows that it's not right. Yeah, and so. he they also show that Bishop shows him the true reality later. Like they link up with minds, and they show the original six one six Marvel of things that have happened and conspired co-conspired with magneto asteroid m and the acolytes and other poses like they have the original x-men meeting up with him and just in these shattered images and then they all freak out and they're like oh what's up but it still makes me think that magneto kind of knew about that stuff so well it was just magneto i think rogue sees it too because she's the one that she yeah. touches bishop and then touches yeah they magneto. link them they all link together yeah. so there's so bishop says that you finally know the truth but I like how fast after that that Magneto forms his plan to fix everything. Yeah, so <laughs> that was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I was probably thinking about it too much and an idiot personally, but yeah, they're they're there to fix things, and we'll get into that next episode with the first part of that mission, which is with finding a teleporter or an alternate reality hopper. Yes. Yeah, Magneto sends up his plans to. Make everything right is what his words are. We also cut to Apocalypse figuring out that uh, Sinister may have ulterior motives. Yes. Because he keeps kind of hiding and disappearing and whatnot. And telling his son, Holocaust, like, we need to take care of this, which is a really weird name for a character. Thinking back on it now, like, maybe you shouldn't have named the character Holocaust. I mean, I'm not really bothered. I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's a word, but... Just what it's associated with in the past. Yeah, you definitely can't help but think of the Holocaust when you see his name. Yeah. Is this the first time Holocaust ever showed up? Because this is the only thing that I know him from, and his character design is super cool. Yeah, this was the first time that design showed up. Yeah. He continues on after all this, but that was the first time he showed up. He's, he showed up since, though. Like he, yes. He was on ex, the team Exiles, the alternate reality yes. team. I so. mean, and we, we'll get yeah. to it later, but he, he does, when everything gets fixed, he does show up. But he's renamed to his original name before he becomes Holocaust, which was Nemesis. Yes. Because yeah. he, he was a regular-looking dude because in X-Men. Let's, let's get right into it, actually. Cause that's, well, can, that's, I, I can also, at the oh. very end of uh, Alpha... At the very end of that issue, they show that the Emcron crystals like already starting to like fix everything again, because like, it goes to shots of the the planets, and it shows the crystals growing. Uh huh. And I don't know if that would have done the same thing, but I don't like that they did that right away, because it just showed that you know when you're reading, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to know if some people didn't realize that the regular X Men universe was going to come back, but the fact that they show that immediately is just kind of I yeah. thought it was cheesy. Like I said, we're well, let's 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 tackle these X-Men Chronicles books real quick. They show, like I said before, their backstory. One is before X-Men Alpha, and one, I guess, would be... No, they're both before. Well, they're both before, but one is like before all the shit goes down with Apocalypse. Yes. It's just the X-Men being the X-Men under Magneto's tutelage, where they're all wearing red and yellow uniforms, similar to Generation X. And then the second issue is after shit's popped off and everyone has changed. It's like a before and after. Yeah, these ones just show... Magneto 
doing the danger room stuff that you would see with the X-Men and he introduces Wolverine who is a pedophile I believe at this point. Yeah, I was wondering about that cuz he hits on Jean pretty hard and she gets she it's funny how she banters with him and it's pretty snark with him but he how old is she supposed to be here that's yeah. why i was wondering about the timeline yeah is she gonna be 19 because i'll allow that at 19 but other still than that, gross I don't know. yeah chris did you like the pedophilic wolverine oh yeah let me tell you how much <laughs> i loved it no of course not but um i mean that's always been a thought with wolverine considering he's 100 years old it goes back to yeah that's true um you know, like the Twilight vampire, like you're a hundred year old vampire, but you're going out with a high schooler, like, yeah, that same thing. Yeah. But I really did like this whole story of like setting up the X-Men and stuff. And quite honestly, I would read these X-Men stories just as they are with this team, with this storyline and right. their adventures. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... It's the same but different. Like I, like I said, they do the same Danger Room stuff, but they introduced a few new characters, and their dynamic's a little bit different. It's enough to be enjoyable, I think. Rogue's also introduced as well, where Magneto yeah. is slowly just macking on her as well. Well, not right away. I don't know. He's a little touchy-feely there. Well, he just... What's interesting is she freaks out when Iceman goes to touch her, but he's wearing gloves, so nothing would have happened. And then Magneto just hugs her and says, you're in a safe place. And he's wearing his gloves and armor, so he's not touching her. So it, nothing would have happened. Uh, I like that they changed Rogue's power set in this. She never absorbed Miss Marvel's powers. She actually absorbed Polaris's powers. Cause Which is, for the people that don't know. Uh, Polaris is basically a lesser version of Magneto. Uh, magnetic control of everything. She can fly. She can control metal and whatnot. And that was because... Uh, I, Mystique mentions that Apocalypse was after Rogue for a very long time, I guess, because he recognized how strong she was. Mm -hmm. And he had initially sent Polaris, one of his agents, after her. And then so that's how Rogue's able to... I'm interested to see... I, I guess she somehow uses the magnetics to manipulate strength because she still seems like she can hit really hard and str like strong, yeah. like she, the normal Rogue. Yeah. But, you know, she's manipulating magnetic fields i guess i don't know but she can still fly and do all that stuff so after they're all introduced we get a interlude for apocalypses for no five horsemen of the apocalypse the thing with apocalypse that i hate is the fact that every time apocalypse shows up he has to have his horsemen his lackeys the four horsemen but the the, the payoff is always lame like the build-up is kind of cool the first seven times where it's always an x-man or two that become his agents of apocalypse where you had archangel in the past and then you had wolverine and hulk which was cool and then you had gambit and oh Sunspot. don't even go near that that was horrible the gambit one you mean firestorm yeah firestorm yeah but did you guys I remember that one yeah like that was when no that wasn't when gambit went blind that was just when gambit just turned gray yeah, and he had some stupid... I don't even want to talk about that. And he had white hair. Yeah, he had some dumb... And Polaris was on that group, too. Yeah. And he had some dumb... I only... Death I only, missed power yeah. that made no sense. Peter Milligan did that, because I only picked up that run because Dupe was on one of the color covers, and this was after Ecstatics ended, so I was like, oh, maybe we'll get some closure, and no. They never explained that. I think he showed up later on in Wolverine and the X-Men. I mean, anyway. that's years and years later, but yeah. anyway... Um, did you guys rec? All right, so there's five horsemen. horsemen of the apocalypse. There's usually four, which is famine, plague, pestilence, and death. Can you guys remember? I don't know if you have the source material in front of you, Chris. Uh, remember all four, no five horsemen of the apocalypse uh, right now? 
Yeah, Chris. Yeah. So it was war. Uh-huh. It was death. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty normal. And then there's Sabretooth. <laughs> yes. Okay. The horseman's Sabretooth. And then Gideon and Kandra. Yeah. I don't know who Kandrin is or Kandra is. I think she's just a telekinetic. But I mean, I, I unless she's like a low class person. I know Gideon, but that's only because he was in the first appearance of Deadpool and he was an ex So Kandra I didn't know who Kandra was other than this issue, and she is the Herald of Apocalypse, and she was a giant red hologram. Other than that, like, fuck if I know. Yeah, it's just like we didn't even want to put I'm I'm guessing that they're her and Gideon. I mean, we're known at the time as well as Sabretooth, whereas I don't even know who War and Death are supposed to be in this. I think Death is the original Death from the whenever... Uh, the first the first, the first time in regular 616 whenever uh, Apocalypse turns Angel into Archangel. Yeah. I think she's similar to that, and I don't know if she ever had a, a name. Oh, no, no, because War... Uh, well, Archangel was Death. I mean, it doesn't really matter. If you don't know, you don't know. Let's, we don't have the multiple. No, yeah, they don't really... They're not. They're just generic. Yeah, it's just. It's just interesting. It's just funny that the usual four horsemen is replaced with some named characters, and then they're just other ones that are just so lame that they just just have war and death. But they're they're flying over a nuclear arsenal base, an army base with a nuclear arsenal, and that's when they're gonna start popping off the actual Age of Apocalypse. And we we cut back to the X Mansion, and. <laughs> Scarlet Witch, who looks like Jean Grey, is explaining yet again the origins of Charles Xavier. And <laughs> Jonathan's just like stroking out right now because of how mundane this is. But I guess you got to explain this stuff because there's always going to be a new reader. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll agree. But. but but it's just like how we were saying last episode with Legion Quest where xavier kept explaining his dream it seemed every six panels to magneto and magneto just keeps going huh you're on to something here buddy <laughs> they just do it here and there's this giant bus they talk in front of to say hey remember this guy essentially and while that's going on the army base is getting overrun and the x-men have to stop them but they need someone to stay behind and that person to stay behind is the scarlet witch and that's where we get what where uh, chris was talking about where we were talking about before chris where Holocaust before he was Holocaust was named Nemesis, who looks pretty fucking lame. Yeah, like black onesie with a blonde ponytail. Very cool. Yeah, and his power is what? Just bioforce? Like, yeah, it's like he emits radiation or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like generic blasts out of his body. Yeah, I but mean, it's radiation. Doesn't everyone, doesn't everyone technically emit radiation? Yeah, technically, I guess. Yeah, but I think he it's just his is very highly concentrated. Yeah, but, I mean, you could say radiation at the end of the day, but no one ever is going to go, oh, man, I got six months to live because I tussled with Nemesis. It's like, no, I mean, Nemesis is just going to kill them and be done with it. So, I don't know. Unless there's something that goes into his backstory later, or maybe that's why he's in the containment suit He can't become when he becomes Holocaust. They, they explain it later. Yeah, okay. Well... Nemesis is attacking the X-Mansion where Scarlet Witch is by herself with a bunch of kids, and he kills her. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. He's the Yeah, initially Rogue that. shows up and starts to throw him around, and he shoots her a couple times and hurts her. And then all of a sudden Scarlet Witch basically says, get away from her, and hits him with her hex powers of some sort. And he's like complaining because he's like, you hurt me. I've never been hurt before, apparently, because he's, I don't know if he was tested, like, experimented on by apocalypse and mr sinister but 
He com- smiles at the idea that he got hurt. She pretty much messes him up big time. She- Scarlet Witch dies just, I think, because he shoots her enough. And then with so much radiation or whatever, she basically sacrifices herself and dies. But then before she dies, she says to Rogue, make sure you're a friend of Magneto because he's going to need one. Right. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. <laughs> All right. So the X-Men go, while well, that's happening at the same time, the X-Men are fighting the Heralds at the nuclear base. And it's it's your standard it's your standard X Men fight. Well, I like how initially Sabretooth he thought that Apocalypse like recruited Sabretooth, and he lied to him saying that they were just going to take over the uh, the nukes or like yeah it was like going to be a deterrence. They yeah, were, they were going to take then, it over as deterrence. As soon as they got in, they're like, nope, we're launching these launch fuckers. them. And yeah. Sabretooth's like, I didn't sign on for this, and so they are about to basically kill Sabretooth, and then that's when the X Men show up, and he's like, well, you need me to help you, so let me go. And they do, even though it's really brief. I really like the the banter between Wolverine and Sabretooth, and like their fight's pretty interesting. And I just like how Wolverine's like he kind of gets a one up on Sabretooth finally and shatters his spine, which was pretty awesome. I like that Sabretooth is the one to say he's the best he is at what he does. Yeah, it's kind of a swap there, a parallel. Yeah, swap that's thing. actually that's one of the things that I'm really excited most going forward reading this stuff is Sabretooth and Blink because. I've read all the Exiles, and they're from this storyline, but I've never read this storyline. The, the the beginnings of them. Yeah. Magneto and the team stop the nukes, and that's it. They go back to see that Scarlet Witch has died, and Magneto is obviously upset, but it just it just ends there and, the, and mentions that even though she died, Apocalypse is going to pay the ultimate price, and Charles Xavier's dream will live on. I also don't like, though, that Apocalypse. Everybody else, like you said, is in the early stages of the outfits. They all have the red and yellow outfit. Yeah. All the horsemen are, they look kind of cool, but it's not like the extreme like they get to when we finally get in the. Yeah, it's it, not the grim dark stuff. But they immediately give Apocalypse his outfit that he has in the regular books. So you never change that over a course of how many years. I always liked his original look of the A on his belt and just the tubes on his arms, and he's just blue and whatever. Like, I, I just. I don't, I don't like I thought, his redesign. I, I always thought he looked stupid. No, oh, well, I didn't, <laughs> but I liked his, you know, he, I don't know. I liked his original look, and I just didn't like that they stuck with that same look the whole time. I'm like, you didn't, nothing yeah. changed. That, that's my only gripe about it. I feel you on that. Um, Apocalypse's design is, yeah, it's, it's not very good in this, which is a shame considering it's his age, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like his original look, and I like the way he looks in the Ultimate Comics, too. Yeah. Ultimate's Ultimate's okay because that's more, if I recall, that's more not robot looking, right? Uh, I mean, it's a little robotic looking. Um, they went really heavy with the red, and I think Apocalypse looks really cool with red. Yeah, yeah, he looks he looks because yeah, we're used to him just being different, like sixteen different shades of blue, essentially with red yeah. eyes. So yeah, um, is there anything else you guys want to say about that issue of Chronicles before we get into the last one here? I think we covered it all. Okay, so in Chronicles two, we get. Life felt it to a degree <laughs> right up the bat with uh, Ian Churchill's art. Not not as uh, anatomically incorrect, but it, I still feel the extremeness coming right off the pages right away. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to have the one year later look from last uh, issue. Not literally a year later, but the, the idea of all the costumes changing and just saying, oh, what the hell has happened in between issue one and two where yeah. Wolverine's missing a hand. They all have different outfits as we've seen. I mean, 
we saw him in X Men Alpha for the most part, but the the transition seems a little bit more jarring here on purpose. Yeah, Colossus probably the best redesigned character personally. I don't know about you. what. What are your guys' favorite redesigned character? Oh wait, I'm sorry, Magneto when he has a black face. I really like that look. Chris uh, Bocklo Bacello uh, draws Magneto that way all the time, which I'm a big fan of. Where you can just see his eyes and sometimes his mouth. And he's just, his helmet completely covers his entire face and it's just blackness. It gives a really sinister type of look, an uh, imposing figure. But besides Magneto, I think Colossus is probably the best redesigned character here. But I'm a sucker for bandanas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say Colossus is definitely one of the better ones. Still got a lot of pouches going on for no real reason. <laughs> yeah. Why, do, why does he need that bandolier of pouches across his chest? I'm not sure. I mean,. It still looks cool, but it's at the same time it can't help but just get patch like pouch vision and just be like why? Yeah. Well, yeah, that young blood read along was really something for for us and eye opening. Maybe he has food in there. I don't know. Condoms. Some trail mix. Yeah. <laughs> I like he's, that he's married to Kitty in this universe. So you, what's that? Uh, the other thing I liked was besides Colossus, I liked that. We start seeing, because Sabretooth has it, and I think Rogue has it in this issue. I'm going to call it medieval collar that Magneto is always wearing. Yeah. We start to see that he, like, and eventually we see it later on that there's two different X-Men books, but there's, like, Magneto's team and then there's the other team. And I like that Magneto's team, like, all, they're all of their different colored outfits, but they all have that, that collared look with, like, the studs. And I like that they, they start to wear it here. But it starts this this book starts off with Wolverine saying that he's taking Jean and leaving, which is really weird because maybe he was grooming her the whole time, like a creep. Like we like I was saying how he's like doing the pedophile thing and she just seems very ambivalent, like, come on, we're getting out of here. I'm calling all the shots, you're just coming with me and I'm sure that's not the case, but in this day and age with all the horrible stories you see of stuff like that, it just I don't know. I feel really icky. Well, about it wasn't this. that. If you read- I know it wasn't that, oh, but okay. it just... I got you. I got you. The way it's drawn and the way these, these are worded out, it just... I don't know. It just seems like he's grooming Gene, and that's gross. But obviously, they're over the age of consent and stuff, but... Yeah, because I, I think they actually might be... Well, eventually, I know... I don't know when, if it actually happens now or later on. Eventually, they do get married, so... Oh, okay. That's probably in Weapon X, I would give it, I guess. I don't remember that. I though. can't remember if it's mentioned. I don't know. I know later down the line it does. They do mention it. So, yeah. So, we cut to Holocaust now, who was Nemesis, as we mentioned before, and it's still kind of weird to have a guy named Holocaust who's burning everything around him, and you see him standing on top of skulls and shit like that. I don't know. Like I said, just it still feels weird. I know it's comic books and people get killed and stuff all the time, but I don't know. It's. I don't know. I think they well, renamed the, him later too. Yeah, they stuck because I know when they brought the toy out, they they named him Nemesis. Okay. And I think the problem with it is, and I agree with you, it's weird looking at it, but you figure that word was used before World War Two, and it's just that we associate it a lot with what the Germans did. Yeah. yeah. So it just means something, but it's just that it's been. I don't know. Sometimes actions happen with certain words where you can't take them back to the original roots. I mean, I'm fine with them calling him Nemesis now, but I have no problem using his name as Holocaust here. I I know we're a lighthearted comic book podcast and all that, but like, like a good example of that is the word thug. That means something completely different now than what it used to mean. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. 
it sucks that people use that word that way. So anyway, (laughs) great. we're introduced to Holocaust, like we said, and he's just doing his little murdering thing. And then we get this giant lamoid who I've never seen before. Yeah. His name's Wolverine. He's just a Chris. Do you, have you seen this guy before the belts on his shoulders, literal final fantasy belt buckles on his shoulders, big old belt buckles and wrist blades. Like, It's not even like a sword or an axe. It's just giant sheet metal blades on yeah. his wrist. Yeah. I'm trying to figure um, out. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So Chris. I thought that's all good. Um, so yeah, they called him Wolverine or whatever. And I was trying to think of like, who could this be? And he's so big. I was like, maybe it's the Hulk. But I don't think that's huh. the case at all. Is it the Hulk, Jonathan? No. I Because I, Holocaust mentions that he's basically one of Beast's experiments from okay. his things. I think that he may be yeah. Caliban, but I'm not 100% sure. They don't mention, we don't know who he is, or if he even is a known character in the regular 616. It's yeah. just my speculation is it's possibly Caliban, because later on we see he's got some tracking abilities. He can track, he basically tracks down the X-Men. Um, Another he, one that I thought he might be, just because of his colors, uh, was Gladiator, but that's that can't be true. Gladiator. No, the Gladiator from the Imperial Guard. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's... Purple skin, the red and yellow, like... But no, because no, he, he'd be flying if he was Gladiator. Right. Yeah. Figured turning his uh, sick mohawk for a ponytail and a Fu Manchu. And a balding mohawk. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's it's a questionable design choice and a question... It, with all the... We talked about Unis the Untouchable. It's just weird that you would... You have an alternate reality where you can take new takes on characters... And you have your OC here, essentially. It's yeah, it would have been actually cool if the Hulk was doing this because they did, like I mentioned before, he became a horseman of apocalypse a few years later. Well, we see Banner later on down the line here. Yeah, but it's, it's mostly X Men centric. But I mean, there's other. I'm I'm not versed in X Men as much as you are, or maybe even you, Chris. I'm sure there's some big bulky guy out there they could have used to be well, like Cyber. This could have juggernaut. been cyber. yeah juggernaut. Is, does juggernaut show up in Age of Apocalypse? He does. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, actually, but, cyber would have been a pretty cool idea. Yeah, um, and I mean, he has Wolverine ties, so yeah. But then again, also, well, you could redesign him with he had adamantium skin. You could just redesign him a little bit with claws, and there you go. I mean, he had claws. He did. Cyber has claws. Yeah, not know. Wolverine claws. He's that's got finger, oh, yeah, finger. Yeah, he's got claws. talons. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, well, Cyber's not either a mutant, I don't think either actually. Yeah, fake fake Wolverine is I'm not sure I forget. Just killing people and for some reason some human <laughs> human like tries attacking him because Oh yeah, I love that. He's it's like, just with like a giant you killed blade. my wife and children and I'm just going to punch this I would be I don't know. I would be a coward. I don't know about you guys, but I would totally straight up be a coward and hide if I saw this shit. I think that everybody's like, who cares? We're all going to die anyway. Might as well do it. Because at least he kind of dies quickly. He's not tortured because Wolverine grabs him, throws him up, and Holocaust just blasts him, and he just turns to bone right away. Yeah, they do their own version of the fastball special yeah. in a way. <laughs> so Magneto, oh, yeah, Sabretooth's on the team too now. We find out that from the last issue, Saber, Sabretooth was an enemy, and now he's straight up just on the team. Yes. And I'm sure they'll explain that gappage later. But <laughs> yeah. No? No. Oh, okay. Well, well, we can get to this at the end of this podcast. So, okay. To talk about that. Um, so Magneto takes the X Men team out, and they're X Mening. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they they go to Denver. Uh, what? I'm trying to remember why they went to Denver. I'm sorry. This that's just where their base is right now. Yeah, that's that's right because it used to be over in Europe, but not anymore. 
and they get into a bunch of bandits along the way and they're doing it's it's kind of interesting the way where they're doing witty banter like the the good old x-men of yore yeah where everything's kind of lighthearted, and magneto's getting pissed off saying that you guys need to knock this shit off because everything's extreme now and if these were apocalypses dudes you'd all be dead i forgot to mention too wolverine this wolverine has a power where he can just turn people into his loyal servants just by touching them he like raises their adrenaline levels like really sky high or something he says yeah that eventually if they don't just straight up die from the fight that they're in that it it kills them like it's literally like he shoots them up with venom but it's like so fast acting that after like a couple hours they'll the heart will explode and they'll die anyway so yeah he just uses they're just disposable to him so Um, he, he just has henchmen Ability yes, powers, basically, and they they get into a fight, and Magneto gets stabbed with a uh, knife. Yeah, yeah, I like how the one guy Rogue blocks him, but he throws a knife at Magneto, basically, and it's I don't know, it looks like it's twelve or eighteen inches long, and it just straight up plunges into the straight into his back. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, whoa, that's well, some body armor you got there. Yeah, it's it's just like, uh, and, and like, why would a knife be able to hit him anyways? Because I thought his his whole deal was his force field's essentially they, up at all times. They said that it's not; it wasn't a magnetic knife; it was like ceramic or something. Oh, of they course. They do freaking put put that in there because Rogue's like, it's not metal. I can't stop it. That's no, right, that's right. To be honest, the rest of it's out. pretty bad because like it just turns into a gambit pissy mode. Yeah, is, this is the one where we find out that Magneto figures out a way that if he can create the smallest of magnetic fields around himself, yeah, to he can actually rogue. he can actually touch her. And I think, I mean, we know where this goes down the line, but the thing is that he was he able as a child. Well, no, no. What I'm getting at is he was doing this to see if he could do it, so he could teach her to do it, so she could touch somebody. Basically, I think he'd have because yeah. he's got better control. I mean, he's he started off with the magnetic powers from the beginning, so he's way more control over it than she does. Right. And I think it's just that he was going to teach her this technique so that, you know, because if it's the two of them, one or the other can do it, but if she wants to touch other people, yeah, she needs to learn how to do this thing herself. Yeah, he's just teaching her how to be normal, but yeah. she falls in love with... Well, yeah, eventually, because so... They touch each other. Like she, he just holds her hand, and she just hugs him, thanking him for this learning this technique. And then Gambit freaks out because he's a jackalope. And um, jackalope, yeah, that's my new word. Hmm. Um, blah blah blah, freaks out. Blah blah blah. Those goons attack the X Men. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the X Men go back to their base, and the Wolverine finds them, and Gambit just kinetically kicks him. No, he like charged up a rock, a big rock. And he's like, since that's like the largest thing I ever charged okay. up. Yeah, he charged a rock, threw it at him, and then kicked him in the face, which sent him flying. I didn't write it's, it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it pisses me off because I think I knew this from before, but rereading it, like, again, I, I'm not a big fan of the Gambit-Rogue relationship because I don't like Gambit at all, honestly. And this book was just a big hold, big old Gambit being a pissy because he lost Rogue and he can't stand it. Yeah. And that was all it was. It was Wolverine leaving the team because he saved Gene. Nobody else would. And Gambit getting no. jacked off or pissed off. That's all. Weapon X leaving the team. Yeah, sorry. Yes, Weapon, Weapon X. Because we have another Wolverine. Yeah. I, that's the other thing. Why Why would they name, name him Wolverine? Because that's just going to be confusing for other readers in a way. Well, it's going to be confusing for our listeners. But if they well, pick us up. Yeah, but... Chris is absolutely right. Like it just—I don't know. Just, just saying that made me remember that it's 
a stupid thing. Well, um, actually, I kind of like that they kept Weapon X's name Weapon X the whole time. Yeah, but but I'm, I'm just saying, why throw the name Wolverine in here yeah, to confuse yeah. people, especially people that aren't up on? Because Dark Beast is a genius, and he knew this was going to confuse you. <sighs> yes, yes, he was. He was. He has the meta there. Uh, Chris, did you uh, have any final thoughts on this or anything else that we didn't really talk about? So Rogue's from the South. She's from like Mississippi or Alabama or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what state she's from. Yeah. But um, her mullet definitely like does her a service. For she that. looks like David Bowie. Yes, she does. She sh- that's she straight up looks like David Bowie the way she's drawn right now. Yeah, I like how at some point her hair is like so teased up high that she's got like a real flat top going too. Yeah, I wonder if if Churchill really did just you know, look at pictures of him from that era and use that as inspiration. That's that's about it. It's just this book sent set up just why Wolverine left uh, the the budding romance between Magneto and Rogue and the the cha- the change from being normal children, not children, but normal. X Men Adventures to grim, dark, extreme stuff. Uh, there's there's pinups at the end of these two page splash pages that kind of do some world building, which I thought was kind of interesting. They 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 call them historical moments where you have the rescue of Chamber, the transformation of Nemesis to Holocaust, the funeral of Scarlet Witch, and the salvation of Exodus, which are all just like I said, two panel splash pages of just like an incident happening in yeah. a world where they didn't have to really explain it you can kind of gather what was going on yeah in these these splash pages of what happened to what so although the, i don't know chris do you still have the book open yeah looking at the this one we'll have to put this up on our instagram or something where it says the funeral of the scarlet witch and they're all like huddled around a tombstone but the tombstone is on this little bluff up on the cliffs where no one can fit except for Quicksilver and Storm and everyone else is standing around on adjacent rocks and Wolverine looks like he's taking a dump like over a cliffside. <laughs> and Magneto's not even it's, looking at it. He's looking at the, the reader. Yeah, there's just this little valley between there. It's just like, it's like, why did we choose this spot to have a... Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's way out of the way. Like If I wanted to visit the tombstone, I'd have to bother someone who flies or prep for a mountain climbing trip but yeah these were these were interesting and pretty good picture of uh colossus here so maybe i'm just a mark for that but apparently chamber i guess was uh from generation x was in a slave camp at one point so yeah and that's them rescuing them kitty pride's also on there she's not really shown up yet she's got like a weird ass wolverine claw which is i guess cool yeah cool it's kind of reminiscent of how she was a protege of wolverine in the old books but i don't know if they'll ever get into that I don't know if they do. I, yeah. I, we'll get into that later in the next issue or the next uh, episode. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to say, though, I was mentioning, again, having read this, I like it. I like what they did, you know, the whole thing. I really, and, and we get some, like I said, you get a little bit of backstory here and there, but there's a lot of stuff that I really would wish they would cover because, like, at the beginning when Wolverine leaves, because he mentions that he leaves because he's pissed off that, they left Jean. Hmm. They were on a mission somewhere, and Jean got captured, and she was in the slave pits. And we don't know how long she was there, and all this other stuff. And Magneto basically said, "No, we're not going after her." And Wolverine said, "Up yours. I'm saving Jean," and he did. Yeah. And I believe that's actually the incident when he loses his hand and fights Cyclops and all that stuff. There is a lot of stuff, and I know it's kind of it's. Pro- I don't know if it's morbid, but like everything after X Men Chronicles up to the Second Chronicles, I would love to have them read and write and draw. 
all that dystopian stuff where Apocalypse is winning and these X-Men are barely surviving. And they're yeah. just... There very well could be stuff that we don't know about yet or haven't read yet that goes back there haven't remembered. There might be some flashbacks. Uh, I've stuff. looked at a lot of it. And there's some p- bits and pieces, not yeah. a lot. And some of what is there... Some of it's good, some of it's not, and it doesn't cover nearly as much as I would want them to. Right. Like there again, unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff you could do. I really wish somebody would go with the Spider Girl angle and do that. I mean, you know where it's going to end up. You know it could only be a limited run because you're going to get from A to B. You know where it yeah. has to go. But I would love to. They, they, there's a lot of opportunities to tell those stories, and I think it'd be a lot of fun, especially to see you see good characters turning, becoming, you know, being recruited, being evil. Yeah. You've got some bad characters, like especially I'd like to see when Sabretooth kind of really made the decision. I'm not sure. I think that is covered, but it's it's sketchy. No, it's not covered. When he decides, obviously right after the nuclear incident to join Magneto side, maybe. Maybe right. it's not right there. There's a lot of stuff that I think would be fun to, to tell and read if, if they ever did it, but who knows. Okay. Uh, Chris, final thoughts on this? The, the stuff that we uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of second Jonathan's thought there. It's it's stories like this, and it's even like stories like Nightfall, where it's like, you know, there's such golden moments in these stories, but sometimes the overall execution isn't that bad. And that's why I would love to see a rebooted version of it. And I still have to finish reading all this Age of Apocalypse stuff, which we'll get into in future episodes here to see if I still feel that way. But so far, like the world that they have set up for us is really really cool and really leaves a lot of good options for stories going forward and i'm really excited to read them even though you said you kind of agree with john i i, I agree with you as well chris um all right guys what are we going to rate this i'm going with a seven only because chronicles 2 fell apart at the end for me the first three pages are great when wolverine or <clears throat> weapon x and gene leave the team yeah and we get a little bit of stuff in there but once it turns into gambit being all pissy it just, I, 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 blah. Chris? Yeah, I also have to give a seven for the same exact reason. Um, you know, if they're doing something completely new and different, but they're going to continue on the Rogue Gambit relationship that don't care about, like that really dragged it down. So yeah. I have to go with a seven as well. Okay. I gave it a six. I kind of echo your guys. Uh, sentiments there. I kind of wish that they did a better job of explaining where every book was going to go going forward. Like every series, like Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, the Wolverine book, they kind of sort of do that, but I kind of wish it was a little bit more clear. Like What, after X-Men Alpha, you're saying? Yeah, like after X-Men Alpha, I mean, they kind of explain, I mean, Wolverine's going off on his own. They have to get the teleporter in Generation Next. I think they do a better, I, I actually like that they show you where they're going, but I think it's it just felt like it could have been a little bit clearer. Like they, they show, they set up Factor X with Cyclops and uh, Mister Sinister and Havoc. It just felt a little muddy. Like I didn't know exactly. There's there's books that set up. Maybe it's just because I'm babied. But there's books that set up stuff like they'll have an interlude and they'll have a four page thing of what they're doing. It says to be continued in blah 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 number one, and then to be continued in. I would have oh, liked, I, I would have liked yeah something okay. like that that lets you say okay if I want to follow this part of the story I got to pick this book up. I mean obviously we're going to read it all, but could have been a lot clearer. And then yeah, it's just that <laughs> fake Wolverine character sucked ass. And because I think at the end of X Men Alpha, it shows you like you said the, the other end, the end of the regular books where it would tell you what's on sale this month. Yeah, 
at the end of X-Men Alpha, it shows you the first issues of all the other books. So you could kind of read that. Yeah, you can, but I, 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 I mean, know. they do that now, but I think it's also because, like you said, they <clears throat> baby us. Um, <laughs> back then, they people were probably going to buy all of it or they knew what they were going to get. So the one thing I did like about it was that after reading it all, you can, I knew I, I can read X-Men Alpha, and I, after reading a lot of the other tie-ins i see where they were going with it but you really didn't get a hint what they were doing with generation next and you don't see that until the first issue okay also i'm going to start a new thing here it's going to be a new different average here it's going to be nvp and wvp most valuable player and worst valuable player which is who was our favorite character from this and who was the who, who was the character you didn't like the most like what was the worst character from this series of books that we read. Okay. Jonathan Gambit. Ooh, no. Uh, Gambit's pretty bad, but I got to go with uh, Wolverine. The Wolverine? The fake Wolverine? Fake Wolverine, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a one-shot. Yeah, I'm going to go with like over all of them, but I'm still going to stick with Gambit. All right, Gambit. <laughs> Chris says Wolverine. I was, I was in a toss-up, but I was going to say Wolverine as well. He's that bad. It's just forgettable, and they really should have just made that a different character. Um, what about MVP? you guys what character did you like the most out of all this i like ice uh, well eventually you'll get to nightcrawler but we don't see how cool he is just yet uh, i'm gonna go with Iceman at this point because really we didn't really talk about him well i liked how the chronicles one he's like regular bobby drake he just looks like regular Iceman. by chronicles two we start to see him where he's just like a body without legs and he's just floating around like on an ice and he just like pushes himself on the ice and he has, starts having not the just the face shield up and we don't see him go extreme, but then when he goes into Alpha and he straight up kills Eunice by freezing him and shattering him, yeah. it's badass. Yeah. And, I mean, we we didn't talk about him because he doesn't get that much. He honestly doesn't get that much screen time yet, but that's one of my favorite moments. And he, uh, I think he becomes a pretty cool character here later on. Okay. But just based on these issues, Iceman's your favorite out of all these? So far, yeah. Okay, uh, Chris? Because there's other characters, but we haven't oh. really touched upon them yet. To, right, right. We can't take it out of context yes. now. Uh, Chris? Um, hmm. I kind of <laughs> want to say Magneto, just because he's the character that we've seen the most. And, like, he's, like out of all the characters that we're actually getting a lot of backstory and, like, development with, I would have to say Magneto. I'm really leaning towards Sabretooth as well, but that's also my Exiles bias. Okay, so Magneto? Yeah, so I'm not going to say Sabretooth because he hasn't really done anything yet to like really pique my interest other than just, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. Fuck you guys. I, I was going to go with Magneto as well because it's it's these stories are kind of biased towards the him and Rogue for the most part. A little bit of Wolverine, is, or I'm sorry, Weapon X as well. But Logan is kind of lame because he's just doing the same sort of thing like i said the whole weird not grooming but grooming thing is gross in my mind um yeah i know i know it's just it's just the way it's written like, yeah i get I that get you, yeah. it just gene seems like she's an idiot even though she's not um hopefully that's better in the uh oh she stuff. straight up does a not a her, uh heel turn but she does something i annoys me Oh, they kind of okay. well, later on we'll get to that. I'm I'm kind of disappointed with these new characters that they had. Like Chris, you 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 mentioned Blink Morph. We didn't even mention once. 
Who, uh, yeah, because he really didn't do anything. Yeah, he's he's around the background X Men Alpha, and that's it. Um, he's more prominent in the Exiles books, like we mentioned before. A lot yeah, of, he shows up later on. He's, yeah, he's yeah, I know character. that. But just with X Men Alpha is your opening salvo. You should have everyone have equal screen time. I get it why Magneto and Logan would have more because they're popular and Magneto's kind of the crux of the whole story so far. But if you're going to introduce a new character, like Blink on the cover of X-Men Alpha, and then you have Sunfire as well, they're kind of front and center there. And they, we don't even see them. Yeah, we barely see them. So I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a big misstep. That's another reason why I wanted to give it a six. It's just the new characters that they introduced have little to none. But the total for the average is a 6.6 for us, so that sounds about right. That's and I also gonna... just point out, though, that Midoriya, his, I think his cover is fantastic. Yeah. And I really wish they would have given him more to draw than just Amazing X-Men because he's one of my favorite artists. And this is like when he, I, I think this is when he, obviously this is when he started Marvel. He right. drew one cover during the Uncanny X-Men, like I think 320 is when he, he yeah. drew a cover there. Yeah. I'd have to do some research because I don't know this off the top of my head if that was like the like his first work for them. Mm-hmm. But if he drew, like I said, my my complaints about Apocalypse is look, but when he draws Apocalypse and Amazing X Men, I'm fine with it. Like it's just different artists draw him, even though I don't like the way that they made his suit look. He makes him look good. So right. Unless we got anything else to say and drag this out anymore, that's that's really going to do it for us. Uh, if you have a question, comment, death threat. You can. <laughs> I'm still getting a few of those because, well, not death threats, but you know, nasty grams for Rob Liefeld's art. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, did they? If not- people, people are more like it's just like filling out a comment card. You're not going to praise someone. You're not going to call someone for their how my driving number, or saying they're doing a great job. You're only going to complain. So I'm fine with it. It's exposure. Whatever. It kind of makes me laugh. Yeah. Because uh, we just went over that with another upcoming Liefeld book. How interesting his art style is. Major X. Yeah. But yeah, you can you can send one to us at therunpod at gmail.com. Jonathan. That is the, the runpod at gmail.com. <laughs> Chris. The runpod at gmail.com. And we also have the Instagram, which we're gonna start updating frequently now because we've all got back from our vacations. That's that's also another reason why, but we all got back from our vacations and I don't know about you, I got back coming up. Uh, humble. All right. All right. All right. No need to brag. I'm rubbing it in. Yeah, I am. Uh, So that'll be... Chris, what is the Instagram? Uh, It's The the Run Pod. (laughs) The Run Pod. All one word. So, yeah. Anything, any art stuff that we talk about or anything that we see amusing from these books in general, we'll we'll post up on there. We have a few Liefeld pictures up there now. We'll start... We've been starting to put some Age of Apocalypse stuff up there as well. Uh, things that stand out. Maybe some of those uh, two-page spreads. We'll see Wolverine popping a squat on that cliff. Um, <laughs> well, uh, we'll see some of the Nightfall stuff that we talked about in the previous season as well uploaded. Yeah, we'll, we'll put some of that stuff up there for you guys. Uh, and that's going to do it. Uh, next episode is going to be Generation Next. That's, that's going to be a good one because I really enjoyed those books. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, and Chris, until next time. Until next time, to be continued.